0: So you like playing video games so much that you think you'd like a career in making them. But what does a video game producer do? In this episode of Intersections, the RIT podcast, John Blau, a fourth year game design and development major, talks with John Venneran, digital games hub associate at RIT's Magic Spell Studios, about their experiences in video game production and how RIT's Magic Center is helping student developers publish their work.
1: I didn't know that I wanted to go into game production. I didn't even know that I wanted to go into games when I was applying to universities. But so I came in uh, to RIT uh, as a computer science major, and uh, I found very quickly that computer science was a lot of fun for me. Um, it provided a lot of uh, like really interesting uh, ways to solve problems, um, and it also gave me a really strong like technical uh, background, at least that one semester that I spent in it. But I found that I wanted to interact with people a lot more. I found that I liked uh, exposing the uh, human side of computers and the human side of our digital media a lot more. And I thought that the games program was a way for me to start expressing those things. So I spent one semester in computer science and then I was like, okay, I went to a lot of talks, actually. I saw there were some people from, like, Amazon Game Studio that came in. There were some people from Epic who came in. And I tried to listen to a lot of what they had to say. And I found that that kind of career path was a lot more interesting to me in terms of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to align with. And I wanted to be involved on the cutting edge of a lot of that technology that especially through high school and throughout the rest of my life I had been watching and and consuming, right? And I think that that was the moment when... I was able to talk to some of those people, ask them for some feedback. They took a look at my portfolio, all that sort of stuff. Um, that was a moment when I sort of realized, like, oh, these are humans behind the screen, mm-hmm. right? And that I could, like, actually go out and try to do some of this cool Yeah, there are like, real humans who make games. Right. So why why production? What, what
2: was the moment you were like, I want to be a producer?
1: Weirdly enough, that sort of happened before I realized I was going to go into games. I had played a bunch of games through high school. I kept in touch with games media, all that sort of stuff. And there was an Extra Credits episode that I was watching. I
2: think it was in, like, 10th grade. Am I supposed to know what Extra Credit is?
1: Oh, Extra Credits is an online YouTube series. Um, They do a lot of education um, and also... They do a lot of work saying like, oh, here's in the industry, right? Let's do some game theory stuff. Here's what a producer does. Here's what a game designer does. Here's what a technical artist does. Mm -hmm. For me, and I think a lot of people that I've met in the major, that was their first exposure to um, the idea that like people make games as opposed Mm -hmm. to them just sort of coming down from nowhere. So they had this episode on designers, right? And like different roles in the games industry. And as I remember it, there was this one like, I think it was like a three minute section dedicated to producers saying basically, like, these people make the entire team function, basically, right? Um, They pitched them as people who were interdisciplinary collaborators um, and people who would do problem solving across team boundaries. I thought that that was a really compelling and interesting way of approaching a problem. Sort of like taking
2: a more global view of how time gets spent on a project as opposed to being one of the people implementing things.
1: Right. It wasn't so much about, like, I'm producing a result by the end of the day. It was a little bit more intangible. It was a little bit more... It had more to do with, like, making people feel good and making people feel productive. Those were things that I latched on to a lot. So when I had the opportunity to swap into game design, I at least had that background in my mind and luckily enough found some mentors within the program that encouraged me to explore some of those ideas. Yeah, while you were explaining
2: that, I was thinking back to my college experience. So yeah, I got my, I ended up getting a degree in English and I got a job in QA at a company called Harmonix right out of college. My first project was Rock Band 1 for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, uh, testing the game, getting it launched. Um, And I remember at the time I was thinking like, what what do I do with an English degree in game development? So I, I had a plan to be a community manager and uh, moved over to the community management department one of the least glamorous jobs you can think of but i wanted to be closer to game development again so i've been in production since basically 2009 and i've been doing it Uh, i've led uh, production on games like dance central spotlight and rock band 4 and a game called hob at runic games but yeah you were talking a lot about your experience having exposure to talks talking about what production is and what the roles are at game development studios and things like that. And back in 2006, 2007, there, was, there weren't the resources there are now, and there wasn't the awareness in programs about about even what game development is. It's crazy to me how much more prepared you can be. Even though there isn't a production track at RIT, the wealth of resources there are to understand what game development is and be trained in what game development is is, I, I think, like really impressive.
1: Absolutely. That's like one of the reasons why I chose RIT in the first place was because I felt like it had a lot more reach than a lot of other universities that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. And then it had a lot more cross-collaboration between disciplines. And so I was able to explore things like production, things like design, right? A lot more in depth, especially in my first few moments, um, because all that interdisciplinary stuff is happening. So I'm, I'm glad that I made that choice.
2: What has your experience been like working on projects here? I know I've worked with you in a sort of production capacity, but you've also led some projects, and what's that been like leading projects and actually working in games?
1: What I really like about this major and this sort of track is that it's a lot of self-starting. Like you said your experience was that you were just sort of like on a project and you learned that way. Here for us, uh, it's a lot of like, we need to start that project, right? We're the ones who kickstart that motion. So my first project that I worked as like a producer on, it's a little card game called Guest Stall, G-U-E-S-S, and it was made in about seven days. So I was like, okay, I'll like make sure that the timeline's okay for that. I'll make sure that we're holding the meetings, right? That was like my first moment of like being a producer. And as like small as that little experience was, it sort of encompassed a lot of what producers do, right? It's make sure that meetings are being held. It's make sure that everybody's clear about what the vision for things is, right? So after that, the next semester, this is now the first semester of my sophomore year, um, I took part in a game jam that IGM was hosting and started a little game called Metronome. Metro G-N-O-M-E. It's a rhythm game for mobile devices uh, that's centered around teaching new musicians how to keep a beat. We made that game in a weekend. I said, hey, I want to try out some of this production stuff on this game and also tried to work with another coder on the team, his name was Matthew Berry, Um, and then a technical artist and sort of like artist, also another coder for the game whose name was Barrington Campbell. The three of us went over to Magic Spell Studios and they accepted that game to to go to that year's Game Developers Conference out in San Francisco. So we had about four months in between when we started Metronome to uh, a very hard deadline of March of the next year about four months in order to make that game. Um, I was the producer through that, so I made sure that uh, we could bring on other artists, like UI artists, as we need them. I made sure that the music production, like our custom tracks for that game, uh, were all getting made by composers, um, could all be thrown to the game. And then from there, uh, we went on the next year to make a game that you know very, very well, called Elderberry Trails. I, again, was the producer on that title, Again, we worked through Magic, which is where you started to get involved as uh, a mentor um, and somebody who was able to give me a few more like, production tips from your many, many years in industry. Because up until that point, I had just sort of been like, looking up online, okay, so what does a producer really do, right? Talking with some of my mentors who hadn't had any direct production experience um, and sort of making best guesses as to how a producer should act, what kind of questions we should ask. So I want to touch on that a little
2: bit. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. So, first of all, how your conception of what a producer is and does has evolved over time, and so th- that sort of part one and part two is really like what what was most surprising or challenging for you uh, from start to finish. Like, where were you at mentally at the beginning of those projects versus the end? What What did you What did you would not expect to learn about being in that role?
1: I think at the beginning of Metronome. I saw producers as an interdisciplinary sort of like existed in a space that wasn't like producing a product and also were people who were mostly about holding meetings kind of um, and like making sure that like all right we have a Trello board and everything with all of the tasks that we're going to accomplish and let's make sure that we have due dates for those tasks right. Those were some of the things that I was doing as a producer. Towards the end of Metronome I started to... Learn that like a producer's job is uh, a lot less about assigning tasks, basically, um, and was a lot more about creating shared vision, about getting people on the same page, and about thinking about what our goals were with a project. Starting up Elderberry, um, that was a lot of what I was thinking about going into that project. But I think that my idea of a producer has shifted a lot from being somebody who needs to lead those conversations and like have an input in those conversations about what a game should be, and has moved to being like there are other people in the room who are much more qualified than you to be able to speak to what set, like what the art of a game should look like, what the code of a game should look like, any of those number of things. And is, a producer's job is to be receptive and help foster communication, I think at, at this point, between those different people and make sure that they're hearing each other properly. Uh,
2: I agree with everything you said. Um, I think that... That you're already sort of making that transition from uh, some of those early preconceptions to what what it's actually like is uh, makes you ahead of the curve in a lot of ways. And I think at the end of the day, production is really a mechanism of accountability for companies. So it's basically saying like, okay, we have uh, a schedule to meet and a budget to work within. And how do we make sure that the team does that? And how that actually happens is I think like where a lot of the interesting discussions happen. Creating moments um, and facilitating moments to have shared vision, making sure that those conversations are taking place even if you're not leading them, that's like really like, that's the sweet spot I think. People can go off script for a variety of different reasons and some of them are really good. Like some of the best moments in game development are when people kind of go off script because it's both a moment for that somebody is saying like, here's my interpretation of what's happening and I think good teams do a great job of saying yes and to those moments and or sort of redefining the expectations going, oh, oh, you understood this as that? Oh, that is, that is not what like we were really going for here. We actually meant this other thing in, entirely. Um, or, oh, that's so interesting that you took it that way. Let's try to incorporate that, but like do it in this other way. There are so many different ways to apply that role on a team that, uh, it is important to remember, like what the high-level goal is, and I think it's to make your projects more predictable. It's to support your teams and uh, and really identify areas they can be more efficient. To see how things have evolved since I had to do it, um, there's a part of me that does look back and go, "Oh, I wish I had learned this lesson here instead of on the job." This is an opportunity to be. Um, working in a slightly safer environment. Like they're, the stakes are a little bit lower and you can kind of mess up a little bit more before you make it out there. But yeah, it's really special, I think, what folks have access to.
1: Having that safe space in order to um, learn a lot of the lessons that otherwise we'd be burning somebody else's money for, right? Yeah. Yeah allows us to also take more risks in what we do um, and experiment with things in ways that mean like something to us. What fits our team best, right? And what what way do we want to approach this thing? And then that'll teach us things, right? We walk away from those experiences understanding a little bit more. We're like, why are things done in the industry the way that they're done?
2: Yeah. It's really a remarkable opportunity to uh, to operate without constraints in a lot of cases. Um, at the Magic Center, we talk about we learn by making things. And that means uh, the freedom to make mistakes, the freedom to take risks, having the real world context to apply to those situations, uh, being comfortable with ambiguity and creating a community, community around being creative. I think that's like really what we're about. And I think that's it's remarkable
0: that we can provide that here. Thanks for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, find us on iTunes or visit us at www.soundcloud.com slash RIT Tigers or at www.rit.edu slash news slash podcasts.